So I love that your gym just has this class, you know, for, you know, pregnancy and for postpartum, just to even just bring awareness around the fact that you just birth the child, you know, you just slow down a little bit, do it right. And then you'll be able to lift these heavy weights. You'll be able to, you know, go for those runs that you want to go for. Um, Hi guys, I'm your host, Megan Van Diepender, and this is the Empowerhood Podcast. I am so happy to have you here. You know, motherhood is hard, and we are going to talk about all of the hard things that just are not talked about enough. So buckle up and enjoy this episode. All right, cool. So hi, Nora. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too, Meg. How's it going? Good. I missed our training session yesterday. I know. I missed you guys. It's only only two weeks. I know. I know. It's a mean to a means to an end. You got big coming up, so it's good. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this. Um, so everyone out there listening today, we have Nora Matthew here, and she is a trainer and coach and owns her own women's gym. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit about prioritizing workouts, um, how to get rid of excuses to not work out, and also the benefits of strength training postpartum. So Nora, why don't you start it off by introducing yourself and tell us, telling us a little bit about you. Yeah, so um, I have been in the fitness industry in some capacity since um, like 2009. Um, I started, I got my training certification in college um, and I was where I was a, a D1 athlete and then I went into club sports and played rugby and I've always just loved like being in the gym and feeling strong. Um, feeling athletic. And um, so going into training was kind of a natural thing for me. It was like where I felt good and confident. And um, over the years, like I've definitely worked with a lot of different types of people um, and I've found really a true love in working with women, um, particularly women who um, are pregnant, postpartum, um, you know, may have like grown up children, but um, that's definitely my specialty. So I opened my business in 2018. So that was um, just over five years ago, uh, opened my brick and mortar space. And then um, we just recently, just this month, moved into a much larger space. So we're in about 4,000 square feet in a lovely central location um, in upstate New York. And uh, we specialize in uh, small group and private training. Uh, I am, uh, personally, I'm a strong first elite instructor, which means that I currently hold all of the strong first, um, certifications. So, um, strong first is like a very well-respected, uh, strength training organization. Um, it's a certifying body and, and it's unique in the sense that you have to do, um, and teach in order to get certified. So, um, I'm certified through the modalities of kettlebells, barbells, and body weight. So, um, that is my love and my specialty. Um, I dabble in other types of training as well, but strength training is definitely where I've seen the most sustainable results with my body and um, with the bodies of my clients, regardless of what their background is. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's uh, it's great. I have four little boys. Uh, they range in ages from two to 10. So very busy at home otherwise. So um, yeah, that's kind of, that's my life in a nutshell. Okay. Um, now you didn't start off with fitness though, right out of college, right? So what, um, what did you start with and how did you end up, you know, opening a gym? Yeah. So, um, when I was in college, um, I actually worked in our like fitness center. It was like a beautiful new fitness center, um, at Providence college. 
And um, so because I was working there, like they had, we were hosting a, cert, a trainer certification. Um, and so I, I took the certification, studied for the exam, passed the exam. So it was kind of like a, almost like a side gig for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was studying theology and um, I went on to graduate school um, and studied secondary education um, in Scotland. And so I was a teacher there for um, like two years. And uh, after I had my first baby, I really felt like I was like, I don't want to be teaching other people's children instead of being with my own. So I felt like I needed something that was a little bit more flexible. Like I didn't want to be gone from seven in the morning until four in the afternoon um, from my son. Um, and at that time we were working in a school that was like 30 minutes away from our house. So anyway, it was complicated. And I, so I kind of returned to, um, to training after a couple of years off, um, and just like really kind of fell in love with the, I guess like the, the people side of training. Like I love, I love building relationships. I love people. I love, um, you know, helping people, um, to thrive. So, um, this is kind of like where I've found my home. Okay. Um, well, since we're talking about, you know, what you do at your gym and like what you're certified in, I guess I'll start with this. Why strength training for women? I mean, I know you started as a sprinter, right? In college. So Mm -hmm. what made you go from, you know, track to, you know, strength training? It's so funny because like with, um, so on the track team, so I, I walked onto the track team, um, at Providence and they were, had a very good team. Mostly the distance runners were like really, really good. And I found that, you know, so we weren't, we weren't like super competitive when it came to going to meets because like the other D1 sprinters were just like ridiculous. They were like super strong and tall and just like I couldn't compete at that level. But what I really loved about running track was the strength and conditioning program that we got alongside of that. Um, so like, again, being a division one school, like Providence had an incredible uh, strength and conditioning program. Um, I'll never forget my coach, uh, Kenneth White. He was my strength and conditioning coach. who was just like, he was just like such a cool guy and he was very much like, you know, follow these guidelines and like do what I tell you to do and like you're going to be strong. And I just, I loved the feeling in myself of getting stronger and actually seeing progress. Like mm-hmm. I just, I remember vividly getting my first chin up and just thinking that that was like the coolest thing. And I always wanted to get better and do more in the weight room. And so when it came down to it, between like running and lifting, I was like, I just really love being strong. So when I left the track team, um, I continued to lift in the gym um, and just like kept getting stronger and kept looking into different things. Um, So I think for me, like I always felt confident in my body when I felt strong and resilient, like Mm -hmm. like a swift wind wouldn't like like blow me over. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always felt like that was great as far as like injury um, prevention and rehab too. Like when I played rugby, I would get, you know, kind of knocked around on the pitch and um, lifting and feeling strong definitely helped a lot with that. So I think generally speaking, like strength training for women is, um, a hundred percent in my opinion, the most sustainable, um, like way of moving over time. So, I mean, you can literally start from when you're like very young to when you're, you know, in your eighties for strength training. And, um, as far as sustainability goes, I, I mean, sort of like if you come up with this routine of working out, you can lift, in theory, you could lift like five or six days a week. Um, but it's something that you can repeat without fatiguing. Um, you, can, you can do it without overstressing your body. 
Um, and not to mention the fact that there's like a million benefits for women being strong, including bone density. We're 60% more likely to have um, osteoporosis than men. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also amazing for your um, insulin sensitivity. Uh, muscle is the most insulin sensitive tissue in the body. And so when we're talking about kind of like overall health and blood sugar regulation, um, which obviously we know plays like a deep role in our metabolic health, uh, you know, lifting and being really strong is, uh, is a huge factor in that. So, really um, cool. yeah. And so I think a lot of it is like resilience. So not only like physical resilience, but like mental, emotional resilience and knowing that you can do hard things as well. Yeah. I was going to say the confidence aspect of it. I feel like, you know, mentally just being able to lift something really heavy, um, is super empowering. I mean, obviously we walk around all day lifting heavy children and stuff, but you don't think of it that way. So when you, you know, pick up a barbell or something, it's like, it's really empowering. That's yeah, cool. Um, so postpartum, mm -hmm. so pelvic floor health, you know, uh, dysthesis recti, all of these things do strength training, help these things. Yeah, immensely. I mean, I think um, what we generally recommend, so we have our um, our pregnancy and postpartum programs here um, at Her Strength. And um, for postpartum, like, there's a lot that goes to it, right? Like, postpartum can be such a complicated time in a woman's life. And, you know, whether it's your first baby or your fifth baby, it's like you can totally be thrown for a loop. Like, you don't necessarily even recognize the body that you're in. So, um, you know, that postpartum time can be like very jarring um, mentally, emotionally, physically um, for women. And so I, I think that being able to come back to a workout routine that, again, is sustainable and something that makes you feel good is like really important. So um, for me, like I know in my journey uh, with my first baby, he was very big. He was nine and a half pounds. Just for reference, I'm five foot four and like normally like 120 pounds. So my baby was huge and he was like a little bit late, five days overdue. And like my, I have a short torso. So like my stomach was huge. And so postpartum, I remember like I went to Pilates. I just, I had done Pilates through my pregnancy and I went back to Pilates postpartum. And I remember my Pilates teacher, I was doing some sort of versions of like hundreds. And I like looked down and I was like, oh my God, like what is that doming happening in my stomach? Like I had this like tenting and I was like, holy moly, what is that? So I said something to my Pilates teacher and she's like, oh, oh yes. Okay. Keep your head down and like, we'll talk about it after. I'm like, okay. So she explained to me what this was. So this is like way back in 2013. I had no idea what it was. And at that point, like, there was so much conflicting information online about like how to fix that. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to after I had my second baby, um, I went to go see a pelvic floor physical therapist. Um, and she was helpful in the sense of like pelvic floor at that point too. I had, um, I had pelvic organ prolapse, mm -hmm. um, which is also something that is like very common postpartum. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew that something wasn't right and I couldn't, couldn't quite figure it out. So I went to go get a staff and she was like, yep, you have prolapse and you have diastasis. And I was like, I'm a wreck. Like, what am I going to do? You know, this is, again, this is someone who, like, I was an athlete my You're whole life. You're an athlete, life. yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, how am I going to, like, how am I ever going to love my body or trust my body again after, like, you know, I've, I'm, I feel broken. Or heal so, it. Yeah, it's more like what's your healing journey? Exactly. So I did my, my best really to listen to um, the, the pelvic floor PT in the sense of like, she was like, okay, I want you to do this and this exercise every single day, come back and see me, you know, a few times. And then, um, and it's funny because like fast forward to, she was like, I don't want you to lift any heavy weights until like your diastasis is closed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, in that moment, I thought to myself, like, 
that's like, it's like moving the goalpost to a distance that I couldn't even conceive because it was so far away. I'm like, I don't even know when that could be. Like that could be three months from now. It could be six months from now. It could be years from now. How could I never go back to lifting weights? Cause like, right. again, that's where I wanted to be. So um, it's very funny. Like I thought to myself, there has to be more to this story than just like doing floor exercises and like breathing stuff. Um, you know, there has to be another way to progress it. And sure enough, fast forward to like, I found kettlebells um, shortly after I had my second baby. And I was like, oh, this is so challenging on so many levels. And I'm so aware of my core and my pelvic floor muscles. And it truly did push my recovery down like to that next level. Like I, I think because, and, and thinking back on it, you know, after my diastasis got better, my, my prolapse was asymptomatic, like no problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought back about it. I'm like, yeah, because I was loading the tissues. I was actually exactly. working the muscles yeah. and I was encouraging it to heal and go into the next level. So yes, it is important to start at that ground level where you're doing the breathing, you're doing the, the little tiny mm-hmm. exercises, you're trying to engage your deep core. But in order to really take that to the next level and encourage your body to heal, to respond, to get stronger, you do have to increase the stimulus. Mm-hmm. So, you know, lifting weights was the stimulus that that helped me to heal ultimately. So it's, you know, and it's definitely held true for hundreds of women that I've seen yeah. postpartum. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's um, it's Sarah Duvall. You know her. She's great. I've taken like a bunch of her classes. I would love to have her on here to talk about, you know, core and dysthesis recti and stuff like that. But um, she's like, it's not about the lifting the weights. It's about how you're managing the pressure. So you're not putting that pressure down on your pelvic floor, you know, and your DR. So you need to still be able to strengthen those muscles, but you just have to manage your breathing and the pressure that you're pushing yeah, and, down. And like, yeah. Like you said, you know, we're lifting kids all day long. We're, right. we're lifting groceries. We're moving boxes. We're, we're doing physical things in our lives. And to say that, you know, that we can't do those things until we've, you know, completely healed this or that is like, it's, it's naive and it, you know, at, at, at very best. Um, and it can be very limiting, I think mentally for a lot of women, because again, we are, I mean, and this kind of goes into another rabbit hole, but we're very trained to listen to anyone medical and, you know, that's like telling, giving us some sort of advice. And we're like, we want to trust people who have that knowledge base and which is like totally valid. But at the same time, you also have to like live in your own body and like, actually, you know, give yourself a little bit of credit for, um, you know, trusting, trusting your own instincts. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love that your gym like brings awareness to like postpartum recovery, you know, that it's not just like, Oh, it's six weeks and all right, you're cleared by the doctor, you know, because I mean, we know that a lot of doctors don't even check for dysthesis recti, you know, or they don't check your pelvic floor to see like if you should be running or doing, they're just like, okay, yeah, I think you're good. I mean, I was lucky that my midwife did bring to my awareness that I had ab separation. Um, otherwise I would have never even, I would have never even known because I knew nothing about it. Um, so I love that your gym just has this class, you know, for, you know, pregnancy and for postpartum, just to even just bring awareness around the fact that you just birth the child, you know, you just slow down a little bit, do it right. And then you'll be able to lift these heavy weights. You'll be able to, you know, go for those runs that you want to go for. Um, and I just think it's so important because I don't think the awareness is out there. I mean, of course, there's other women's gyms and stuff like that all over the world. Um, I just think more people should start bringing awareness to that because I don't know how many women come to me and are like, I, you know, I got injured, 
you know, and I, I'm like, well, did you check for dysthesis recti, you know, and should they'll be like on disability because they lift heavy things at work and they weren't using the correct muscles because of their, their recovery never happened. You know, they just went right back to doing what they did before and it wasn't using the correct muscles and they didn't have that strength. Yeah. I mean, you know, we see it a lot and I think, I think it is on some level, um, that you're trying to cling to, or I guess like rediscover some sort of like normalcy and control in your life. Because I think there's probably for a lot of women, like no more out of control feeling than being pregnant, like growing this completely a separate human and then giving birth and then feeling like you don't recognize your body, right? So I think that that return to exercise um, like once you're given the green light by, you know, your doctor or your midwife or whatever, you're like, okay, great. I can get back to who I was. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, again, I think it's that sense, this like crazy overall message of like, yeah, you can get right back to what you were doing. Cause you, you had a baby six weeks ago. It's like, you literally took nine months to grow this baby. Mm-hmm. And give yourself a little bit of credit. You know, your body might be like a little bit depleted for a while. And so treat it as such and having that respect for yourself to really like take those baby steps first and seek the guidance um, of people who do understand and have been there, um, you know, rather than like jumping back into routine. It's just, it's, it's, it is definitely hard. It's very challenging. I think mentally, I mean, I had four kids and every single recovery was like a mind F. Like I was like, I don't know how I'm ever going to get back to where I was. That here I am, I am back where I was. And actually, I'm stronger now than I ever was before any of my kids because I trained smarter. Um, you know, but it's like you just, you sort of, you when you're in it, you're just like stuck and you have this like tunnel vision. You're like, well, I want to get back to here, so I have to do this first. Mm-hmm. And so for, and again, you know, for a lot of people and especially a lot of women, um, movement exercise is like for mental health, which is very yeah. important. But if you get hurt, and you can't do it at all, yeah. then it's counterproductive, right? So it's just right. kind of like, like put it into perspective and saying like, this needs to come first before that. Right, right. That's why I love that you have that program and they can bring their child too, because it's like they at least still get out of the house. They get that like social interaction. They're still moving their body. It might not be how they want to move their body, you know, right. because everyone just wants to go, 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 me included. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still, it's something, you know, it's something right. to to give them to do and really help their mental health. I think yeah, that's sure. great. So personally, Nora, I mean, how, so you have four kids, you're a coach, you own a business. How do you fit in your workouts? Like, how do you prioritize them? So, I mean, I've definitely been guilty of like not prioritizing them. Like when we moved from our old location to our new location, the like last two months we were in our old location, there was just such a long list of things on my, you know, to-do list that I was like, I can't do like I can't work out and I, so it was like piecemeal here and there um but truthfully like if I schedule my workouts um that's the only way that I'm able to do them on a regular basis um there's been times in the past where I've definitely seen the benefit of doing trying to do something every day mm-hmm. um 100% like being on a program is important um like working with a coach doing a program that that you enjoy and that you look forward to something that has some sort of organization and goal at the end of it is like also super important just being able to have that structure mm-hmm. so that you're not just like okay I have half an hour to work out and then you're like okay what do I do and then you just have to pick random things right. so it's not that the random things are going to be bad but also like 
again, most of us are busy. We have to Mm -hmm. maximize our time. So I know for me, as long as I have like 45 to 60 minutes in in the middle of my day somewhere to work out, I know that I will. So I've been blocking off my schedule to do that. Um, and it's honestly like the only way that it gets done. And it's so funny because I think everyone thinks I just like work out all day. <laughs> it's all the videos and stuff. I like, I like longingly like look at the barbells during my day and I'm like, <laughs> I wish that I could lift, you know, I, I and I'm just, I mean, I'm literally booked some days from like five in the morning until like three in the afternoon. And then I'm like so exhausted. There's no right. chance I'm going to do anything productive um, exercise wise. So yeah, so I have to block out the time. I have to have a plan. I have to know what I'm going to do when that time arrives. Um, and so like, that's, I think what I love about kettlebells and that that's why I fell in love with kettlebells a few years ago is because you can get in like a very good, efficient and like, like hard challenging workout in like less than half an hour if you have, you know, that time and, you know, and you're, you're still going to continue to make progress, even if you don't have that whole hour to do your workout or however long it takes you. Um, and it also puts your strength and your cardio into one session. So, um, yeah, just like finding the right tools, you know, um, when you're like in the moment, knowing what you're going to do to like save you time. Yeah, I think a plan and a program is always super helpful, even if you're doing just like home workouts or, you know, going to a gym and having a trainer. I mean, as long as you know what you're going to do, you can kind of, even if you don't have a set time, if you do see a half an hour, you're like, oh, I already have this planned, you know, I can bust this out, you know, real quick. I do think it's important to set a time, though, for yourself, right? I mean, whether it be your workout or not, um, you know, set some time aside to like prioritize, you know, your health for sure. And if you have to put it in your calendar and set a reminder, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is too, like I, in the past I thought, okay, I need to do like four days. And then, and and then, uh, you know, I was like, well, maybe I should do like something every day just to like work it in in case I like, you know, don't have time tomorrow or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think honestly, it's like, it's also giving yourself the permission and the grace to know that if you miss a day, like it's not the end of the world it's the consistency. It's not the frequency. So like if you get two workouts in per week for a month, it's better than you doing like five workouts in one week and then nothing for the next week and a half and then five workouts again. So it really is just showing up and just, you know, looking for that um, progression. Yeah. I think also like, I mean, when I talk to my clients, I'm like, just be realistic about it too. Because if you say you're going to work out seven days a week, that's not realistic. You know, start with like two or three see how it goes. And then when you feel good to add another one, add another day, like gradually, because then you're not going to like disappoint yourself, you know, if you don't show up those seven days. For sure. And then I think a lot of times what happens is like when you do kind of, you know, when you set that goal and then you, you don't achieve it and then, you know, you're sitting at a deficit, you're like, well, I don't really want to do it tomorrow either. And then I can tell you like it's months and months down the line that people find themselves like, well, I've been sedentary now for two years because I didn't want to come back to like, because I knew it was going to be so hard. And it's like, oh my gosh, like if you totally fall out of that routine, it's 10 times harder to get back into it than like if you just, you set your routine, you do something, even if you literally go outside for like a brisk walk for 20. I was going to say a walk can be a workout, you know, that's usually movement. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Even just getting that like, you know, zone two cardio where you're not like dying, but you're also not, you know, you're not out for a leisurely stroll. If you get something in the middle, like that's hugely helpful for so many things, including like, you know, weight management, including stress management, 
um, you know, obviously great for your cardiovascular system. So it doesn't need to be super complicated and hard. You don't need to be doing a hundred burpees every day to like get a good workout in. Right. For sure. I was listening to something the other day. I can't remember what podcast it was, but they, this girl was like an elite athlete and she was like, some days, you know, I don't want to work out. And she's like, I give myself one minute. I'm like, if, if you can work out for one minute today, that's it. And she's like, try doing it for one minute. And it's like, whenever you start doing something for one minute, or you're like, I'm going to run for 30 seconds, you're not just going to stop. Your body's going to like that adrenaline and then you're going to keep going. So if you're having trouble, you know, getting motivated, just show up for one minute and try it and see if it works. And even honestly, one minute's better than nothing, right? So even if you do end up not continuing on after one minute, which you probably will, you know, you'll be like, oh, well, I can do one more minute after this one minute. You know, you're going to keep going. And like I said, I mean, one minute of walking is better than no walking at all. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, very true. I like really that well. tip because I do think that's true. You know, we all have days where we don't feel motivated, right? I mean, no one's perfect. Um, but as soon as you start moving or as soon as you start lifting weights or, or whatever you're going to do, you usually feel better, right? Even like a couple minutes of it. You're like, all right, yeah. this is great. I feel great. And then after your workout, you feel amazing and it was worth it. You know, exactly. it brings yeah. like such a great vibe to your day for sure. Yeah. yeah. Now, why do you think it's even more important as parents, like as moms to work out like in front of your children? Oh my gosh. Like so many reasons. I mean, I think, I think number one, um, is like, you know, your kids are like, you know, they're like your little followers, right? They're They're going to do what, what they see you doing, um, most. And, you know, so whether you're like swearing at someone in the car that just cut you off or whether you're working out every day, like they're going to do it, right? Like we know that they're going to do it. So I think that's really important, but I also think it's important for kids to see parents prioritizing themselves. Um, cause I think, you know, there's something to be said about, um, like a good example is like my mom, I know that she put her kids first, no matter what, like what, as we were growing up. Um, and I think that she kind of fell down on taking care of herself for a very long time because she was very much focused on us. And, um, you know, and I, I always think about that and like, I, I'm very grateful to her, but I think that if she had prioritized herself a little bit more in the moment, I, I never would have faulted her for that. So I think, you know, I, and I think also for most people, you know, we've, we have kids and we're working and we're doing a million and a half different things, we're carting them around different sports and activities and whatever. And then for, for a child to, to not see the parent doing something for themselves, I think that's problematic, like over time. Um, you know, again, and I think, you know, some kids are probably more aware of it and they get a little bit more aware as they get a little bit older. Um, but I think, you know, as a, as a busy parent, as a stressed parent, I think that you probably resent, you know, things less, the stress, you resent it less if you actually do have that time set aside for yourself. Um, and, you know, I mean, not to mention the fact that like there was like some study done and like, I think it was like the, some sort of like American Pediatric Association. Um, I think it was, it must've been a, a, like a catalog or recently mm -hmm. that said like a, a mother's, um, a mother's uh, activity levels like directly related to yeah. like their I think I saw that on a reel, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, you know, I mean, it, and, and it seems like kind of like, really, yeah, that's obvious. Like, obviously, like, an, you know, an active person is going to have active children in, right. in most cases. 
But if you think about what that actually means and like, you know, I, I know that my kids, when they come in here, like they want to, like, they want to climb on the monkey bars. They want to, you know, when they want to play on the TRX, they want to lift the kettlebells. Um, and it, you know, it's just, it's setting up that, like that mindset for them that like, this is something that is beneficial for you. Um, you know, versus sitting down and playing a video game for like three hours, you know? So, um, but yeah, so I think, I think it's like, you know, it's multifaceted for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. I mean, just think like setting that example because they really do our, they're watching our every move and, you know, you can talk all you want, but they're going to notice you doing it way more than, you know, actions over words type of thing. I also think like our parents are probably around the same age, but like same thing went with my mom, you know, when we were younger, I think it must just be like that generation. Um, But, you know, just like full self-sacrifice, you know, like Mm -hmm. didn't do anything for themselves. And I, you know, I mean, we all freak out at parents, uh, as parents at times, but like, I remember my mom losing it like so many times just cause she was not, she was so depleted, you know, and yeah. she didn't have any hobbies or nothing for herself besides us four yes. kids. And, yeah. um, you know, growing up with that, when I became a mom, I thought like, that's what it was. Right. And I had to like really find that for myself that like, I mean, my husband was like, you need to find a hobby. Like, would it, why would Gray want hobbies? You know, if you don't have a hobby, you know what I mean? Like when she was really little and I was like, you know, you're right. Like, (laughs) you know, why would she want to go do, or like, even why would she want to do anything if I don't do it? Like if we're not showing them, you know, it's like a parent being like, eat your broccoli and they're over there eating McDonald's. You know, it's like, why would your child eat their broccoli if you're going to eat McDonald's? So I think it just goes like the same for all of that. Like if we're not representing that as a human being and like, showing that that matters, then the kid isn't going to grow up to take care of themselves or, you know, or they're going to have to find it out the hard way. Like I did, you know, when I grew up, I had to like literally redefine myself because I was like, I don't want my child to be this self-sacrificing people pleaser, you know? So it's like, you really have to like think about it and kind of come become like self-aware. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. I mean, I think sometimes about like, even just as something as simple as like you're at work all day, you know, you're there from nine to five or whatever, you come home, you make dinner and you crash on the couch and you just, you know, watch TV for the rest of the night. It's like your kids seeing that. Mm-hmm. And like, they're definitely going to want to do that same thing. So, you know, if you live that sedentary lifestyle where like you just are so depleted or exhausted mm-hmm. that you just have nothing to give, um, you know, at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, like that's a problem. So, you know, and as much as people don't want to hear this, you need to reprioritize. You need to change your lifestyle if you actually expect your kid to, you know, to to have anything different than you. Because so many times I've seen history repeating itself and it's like you, you, you have to step up and be that example for your kid, even if at that moment, like you don't feel like doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like it's what our society portrays as being normal. So it's just like, you know, especially in movies or TV shows, you know, that's what the parents are doing, right? They're exhausted. They're frazzled. They don't really want to spend time with their kids. Um, yeah. You know, it or like just the lifestyle or the pattern of, you know, coming home and just watch, binging on Netflix all night and like not doing yeah. anything. I mean, it's just what, it's what life is, right? It's just what the society is right now. And, um, you know, to someone asked me the other day, like, what's your favorite movie? And I was like, I don't know. I don't watch TV. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I like, I literally don't watch TV. I'm like that person that lives in a bubble, but I don't care. Like, I just, I just don't do that. I'd rather do other things. I'd rather be outside. I'd rather be, you know, educating myself. I don't know. I just like, or playing with my kid. I don't know. I just don't, um, I don't do that. But I mean, that's everyone's choice and they have to find their own way to that, you know, and to be able to set the example that they really want for themselves, you know, for their children to become. Um, And it's definitely like a mindset that 
you got to figure out for yourself and really decide like what you want for your values and for your family for sure. Exactly. Um, So what advice can you give to women out there, you know, pregnant, postpartum, you know, all over the world or all over the U S like, should they find, um, a kettlebell studio or like, what would you recommend? It's hard because like, I think, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of contrasting like information out there. I think the biggest thing is like, for me, what I've seen the most benefit from is like really prioritizing getting strong. Um, if you have not had children yet and you plan to have children, get as strong as you can, um, you know, before you get pregnant. If you're pregnant right now and you like have never strength trained, you can strength train. You can lift weights. The like guidelines from years and years ago about don't start anything new when you're pregnant, like it's complete nonsense when it comes to strength training. Um, you are far more resilient than that. Um, obviously, like, you know, barring any contraindications, but like the 99% of women can lift during pregnancy if they have not lifted before. It doesn't have to be super heavy. In fact, that's the beauty of like, if you've never lifted before, the stimulus doesn't need to be that high in order for your body to adapt. Um, I think, I think so getting as strong as possible would be number one. I think number two is also to try to find a pelvic floor physical therapist to support that journey. Um, a lot of times like, because like hit like high intensity interval training is very popular these days, what I'm seeing a lot of, and what I've seen a lot of for years is when women just do hit or they do things like bar where like it's like very dance based and like very like stuck mm-hmm. in your stomach all the time. What happens unfortunately is um, they end up getting a pelvic floor that is overactive mm-hmm. and um, also like this long lines of like the kind of general like baseline of stress is like you, a lot of women hold stress in the pelvic floor. And so instead of the pelvic floor being weak and um, underworked, it's actually overworked and overengaged, which is like just as bad for function. Um, and so working with a pelvic floor PT to figure out if you can, in fact, engage and relax your pelvic floor muscles, that goes a very long way in having a good pregnancy and a great birth experience and a great recovery postpartum. Um, and like, I can tell you this, like from personal experience, I was doing CrossFit when I got pregnant with my first baby. Um, and you know, I was lifting heavy. I was probably deadlifting over 200 pounds. I was squatting like 150. I was, I was, I was strong. And um, I did not understand how to manage pressure. Um, and so I held my breath a lot when I was like under stress, which is like our knee jerk reaction. That's what our nervous system does for most people. Um, and because of that, I know that my first labor was very long. My pelvic floor was way overactive. I, he was staying up high and he couldn't like descend down. Every time he would descend down, he would like go back up again. Anyway, hindsight is twenty twenty, And so I know that like, Looking back, I wish that I had worked with a pelvic floor PT like during my pregnancy so that I could prepare to understand the mechanics of the pelvic floor because we just have no reference point. Like yeah. we can't know. No idea. No idea. Floor. We don't know anything about it. We're like, oh, it's easy. No. It's like normal to pee your pants. Like that's yeah. that's what and, and also like women think that like getting getting a strong pelvic floor means just doing like a hundred kegels. Mm-hmm. And then that's also like literal advice that I've heard OBGYNs give. And it's like, oh my God, that's like the opposite of most. That's most- what my midwife told me for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they should just refer everyone out. Like as soon as you're postpartum, just yes. be like, all right, here is a PT to go to that specializes in pelvic yes. floor. Head that yes. way. That's it. Yes. That's all they have to do. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, establishing, I find that like what's most helpful is like establishing that relationship with a pelvic floor PT during pregnancy, depending on what state you're in, they can still do like some internal assessments during pregnancy. Um, most, most states just like recommend that the PT gets clearance from your OB or your midwife, like in order to do internal PT. Um, but like if you're having sex, it's like the same thing. So anyway, um, so like basically, you know, if you establish that relationship during pregnancy and then postpartum, you can go back to them immediately. So you go back to them, you know, between four and six weeks postpartum, depending on how you're feeling. Um, and then you can immediately start that like postpartum rehab. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that truly that is the secret to having like a great pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and then being able to, if you want to have more children after that, um, because like once your pelvic floor is like destroyed, it's really hard. And like, this is coming from someone who was there. Like I get it. It was hard to come back from that deficit. Um, and thank God that I found like good resources for that. But I find that most areas, um, in the U S in the UK, like all over Europe do have access to pelvic floor PTs. Like I know in this area, we went from having like less than 10 to having like over yeah, 50. There's a lot. I feel like there's, that's just kind of blown up recently, which is so good. Yeah. yeah. I know. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. So like an incredible resource. And like, that is what they do. Like they do pelvic floor muscles that it's such a specialty. Um, and they can also help with diastasis um, recovery too. And like, and, and they can help with C-section um, scar massage if you have a C-section. Mm -hmm. um, and that's immensely valuable too. Like having, again, having someone like that, that is educated to be such an excellent resource for you is just like so invaluable. Um, so that would definitely be like, you know, get strong, find a pelvic floor PT um, and just like stay consistent showing up for yourself. Perfect. Um, yeah. best way to not make excuses for your workout. <laughs> really like schedule. Schedule. Okay. schedule. Yeah. Um, put it I in your calendar. I, yeah. And I, I, you know, it's sad because I see a lot of women who they want to work out. They know on some level that they need to be working out and yet everything is an excuse. Oh, well, my kid has this activity. Oh, well, you know, I can't, I can't leave my baby with my husband be, uh, for bedtime because he doesn't know the routine. And it's like, you, you have got to prioritize you. You turn around in 10 years, 20 years, and you're like, well, I still have an exercise because I'm like bringing my kid to their high school activities. It's like, you have to figure this out. You're going to be at a massive deficit and a huge disadvantage. And you're going to be immensely frustrated when it comes to the time where you actually do decide to prioritize exercise. Um, you know, it's, it's doing it sooner rather than later. Um, and just, again, making a priority, putting it into your day. It's like eating your meals. Like that is how non-negotiable it is. You need yeah. to be, you need to be moving your body. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, this is basically my area, you know, this is where I come in as a coach and I'm like, you know, these are the pillars of health, you know, sleep, nutrition, yeah. movement, you have to make time for them. It doesn't have to be a ton of time, but you have to put it in there every single day. And it should be like brushing your teeth. You know, it's just going to be there. It's what you do for yourself every single day, whether your kids are, you know, sitting next to you, whether they're climbing on you, you know, whether you're using them as a weight, you know, it's got, it's got to happen. Um, and just like you make meals for your kids, you need to eat too, and you need to sleep. So it's just, it's non-negotiable. So, I mean, I think there really shouldn't even be any excuse, right? Put it in your calendar, 
It doesn't, even if it's every day that you're not like going to lift at the gym, you know, go for a walk or, you know, do something for yourself. Even if it's like five push ups, you know, on the floor or something, just any type of movement, just get out there and start moving. Yeah. Like find a plan and stick to it. That's like the, and like, if you fall off the bandwagon, get back on and like, it. Yeah. You know, don't get discouraged. Don't get in your own head about, oh, I can't do it now because I haven't done it for a week or I haven't done it for a month or whatever. Like you, you have to make it the priority. Yeah. Um, you know, I think some people like are okay with working out at home. Um, I think it depends on, again, I think it depends on your plan, right? Because mm-hmm. if it's like, oh, I have a treadmill and I have some five pound dumbbells in my basement, like that's not going to do it. Yeah. You need to like actually have a plan and you need to have some accountability. And again, whether that's like there's so many apps out there that can help, you know, with programs. Like there's like Ladder, that's a great option. Um, there's like Train Heroic. We have um, we have True Coach. We have programs that we give for, for, to people. Um, whether it's dumbbell program, kettlebell program, bodyweight program, like there are so many resources mm-hmm. out there that you know can help just at least provide a plan for you. Right. But even if you're not working with a coach in person, you know, you can still have that accountability of, you know, just downloading this app to your phone and getting a program. Like they're not expensive, yeah. you know, they're, and they don't take a million hours. It's just like, you just have to do it. Yeah. There's so many options nowadays just to be able to, you know, hold you accountable if you don't have a coach, you know, or whatnot, or are not going to a gym. Um, there's definitely a lot of options. I think you just yeah, have to kind sure. of find what's going to excite you and, you know, make you want to work out every day. And I just think each time you do it, you know, every day that you show up for that time that you scheduled, it's going to get easier and easier. And eventually you're going to crave it. You know, it's like when you're like staring at the barbell being like, I really wish I could lift you. It's like, it's exciting. It's fun. It's not work. You know, it's like, this makes me feel good. I feel strong. You know, my body feels great after, and I know it's going to help me, you know, in the future too. So yeah, for sure. sure. I think that's great. All right, Nora, let me see if I have anything else for you. Where can we find you? Okay, so um, you can find me on um, Instagram. My page is at um, Coach Nora Matthew. Um, and then I also have the um, at her strength studio underscore between each word. Um, that is my business. And then um, I you can check out my website, herstrength.studio. Um, and, uh, if anyone wants to email me and ask me specific questions, my email is info at herstrength.studio. Awesome. And what are the names of your two programs that you offer at the gym? Uh, so yeah, so we have, um, we have PregnaFit, which is our pregnancy program. We have early postpartum, um, which is our postpartum class. And then, um, our general, uh, small group custom training program is called Stronger You. All right. Awesome. So I'm going to link all of that below. Thank you so much for coming on here and talking with me today. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right. I'll see you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Empowerhood is brought to you by Flourish Everyday Coaching. Check them out in the link below. And again, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. If you could take 60 seconds of your time and leave us an Apple review, this helps share the news about this podcast and help women all over the world. If you want to see the video version of this podcast, you can go to our YouTube channel and subscribe there. Thank you so much. And we'll see you at the next episode.